Welcome to Yousef ICEP, a weekly podcast with Northern Lights Winery founder Doug Bell, exploring the experiences from leaders in business, social media, and family. Now here's this week's exceptional guest. Welcome to Yousef ICEP. My name is Doug Bell, the host of the podcast. I have Noemi Touchette, a business partner of mine and a good friend. As a matter of fact, uh, we've been working together since her daughter uh, was the same age as my son is now. Yeah, we're not that much, you know, we're not that far away apart in our ages, but she got started a little younger than me and and uh, has been an absolute integral part in the success in the building of Northern Lights State Winery. Welcome to the show today. Thank you for inviting me. Well, th- thank you so much for coming on. And we don't have these conversations a lot. We talk a lot about the today and now and where we're going into the future. But uh, I think it was really, uh, it's a great opportunity today to actually step back into the past a little bit. And I can learn more about you and where you come from. So I'm really uh, glad we have the opportunity to do this. And I wanted to start off by uh, finding out a bit more about where you come from and where you grew up. Yeah. And maybe one day we'll do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so where I come from, I was born in Quebec um, in the lower not the lower mainland, sorry, <laughs> in Quebec, south of Montreal, in a very rural rural uh, environment. But I wasn't born on a farm, so I wasn't around animals or plants, really. Um, it was a very small town, so we would go and build um, tree houses and very close to nature, but no, no farms. Uh, when, when I really got into farming, is when I was in college and I needed a summer job. And then my best friend was working in Pemberton in BC. And she invited me along because back then uh, in Quebec, I was paid $4.50 an hour. And in, in BC, it was $6. So it was worth paying the plane ticket, come work for $6 an hour, and then go back to school in the fall. <laughs> so that's when... Um, yeah, I started coming to BC. I had traveled in the past uh, after high school. I did. An, I was an exchange student in California, so I, I that's where I learned my English because before at school you would play bingo in English courses and you wouldn't learn much. So when I went to California, I learned English, and then that's when I started to really love traveling. And over the years, I. It took me to Africa, it took me to uh, Dominican Republic, to Europe. And when I went to college for, I was actually in college for graphic design and I needed money for my college. And then I started farming and I'm like, this is really what I want to do in my life. I didn't want to be in front of a computer trying to design the most beautiful uh, magazine or poster. I wanted to be outside and really do something that I really loved. And that's when farming started in my life. So growing up in in rural uh, Quebec must have been a really interesting experience. I mean, we get a similar experience in British Columbia when uh, you live in the rural towns. They're very tight knit communities, right? There's there's not a lot of people. Everybody knows your name. You can't get away with anything. Right. If, if you if you were out vandalizing something, the, 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 the neighbor is going to know exactly who you are. Um, what, what, what were those early days like and, and how did you spend your time as a kid? I was always on my bicycle. 
riding a bicycle has always been the love of my life. Um, playing friends, swimming in my swimming pool, going in the winter, it was uh, spending time on the skate rink. Having that knit community like you're talking about, that's kind of what brought me in Prince George um, because I've lived in in, in Quebec City, in Montreal, I lived in Vancouver, and I always thought when I, when I grow up, I'm not gonna live in those larger cities. I really like that small community environment. I mean, I spent my elementary school in a, it was 4,000 people. So it was very small and opportunities weren't that, uh, were that great. Uh, when we moved for my high school, it was about 50,000 people. And then I really learned that, you know, larger cities, yes, it brings more traffic and noise and, and, and neighbors, but it also brings opportunity. So I always felt comfortable in that kind of, of, um, environment. I know I'm jumping to no. Prince George, but that really coming here to Prince George really makes me feel almost like at home because it's, mm. it's smallish enough that you can, you know, your neighbors, but you also have opportunity. It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you mentioned how, as you were going through, um, college and university, you, you got first exposed to farming. Uh, what was that farm? What were you farming? And, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that experience because it obviously was very impactful to you. Um, you know, later on you were the North zone agrologist of the year, North central zone agrologist of the year in Prince George. Um, you've done an incredible amount of work, um, with our farms at, as well as on the winemaking side, but like, how did you get started and what was, what was that first moment like in your passion project? What were you farming? My, after high school, when I went to California, you know, you, you're 18 years old and then you end up with so many friends from all over the world. And then you discover that there's something else than just your hometown and the world opens to you and opportunities opens to you. And it's just like a big wow moment. And you start to learn yourself because at first, when I was in California, it took me about three months to really understand and communicate with everybody else. I had friends that were Italians because we would, I would speak French and they would speak Italian and we would understand each other. So the first three months I was by myself pretty much. And I really learned who I was. And, and when I came back to do my graphic design, I always loved art. But there was something about it that, like being a painter, it's it's almost impossible to make a living. And so I went in graphic design, but there was still something that was kind of missing. I was doing it because of some kind of reason that, um, you know, over the years you tell yourself, oh, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. But then when I started farming, I was like, this is a career that I will never say that I'm working a day in my life. And, but I didn't want to weed all my life either because the first year when you work on a farm, you pull a lot of weeds. <laughs> <laughs> so the first year I was like, okay, in my life, I don't want to work a day in my life and I don't want to weed. So that's when I decided to go back to university 
to get my degree in agriculture to be at least more than just like a laborer on a farm. And yeah, that's since that day when I really realized that that's what I loved, um, I went for it and I haven't worked a day in my life almost, even if I work every day, obviously. You, you know, what's interesting when you say this, because it, it kind of, I think that when, when people are growing up, right. And they get into their twenties. Um, I mean, not saying that we're old cause we're not, we've just, we've made it through that period of our lives. There's this expectation that people have that we're going to know what we want to do, that we have everything figured out. And I mean, I, I certainly remember, uh, being younger and looking at a 30 year old, like they were the oldest person in the world. I mean, they were pretty much ready for death at the age of 30. And now, you know, I certainly realize that I don't feel any different than I did when I was in my twenties. Now, um, certainly you wake up with a few more aches and pains as you get a bit older, but realistically, like we, we don't really change that much. And the, the thing that we realize is that, um, there, we had an expectation. We are all going to have this aha moment that you had, which is incredible. But most people don't, right? Mm -hmm. Most people uh, are looking for that moment that they that everything clicks and they know this is the thing that they want to do for the rest of their lives. And by the way, some of us have that, and then it changes too, right? It, we think this is this is it. Uh, you know, I'm going to do this for the next 60 years of my life. But then, you know, our circumstances change, and you know, maybe we have uh, situations where uh, we find something that we love even more, or maybe. Um, you know, that thing that we love changes uh, because the, you know, technology or things, uh, you know, progress. Um, and but but probably even more so, because one of the things about farming is that it's something that binds us all across the world. Right. No farms, no food. And people are eating all the time and they need that sustenance and they need people to fall in love with farming. But it's been more and more difficult over the years to find those people that have this as a passion. So uh, in a roundabout way, I'd like to know kind of uh, what was it about farming that you just loved so much and how could we get more people into it because we need them? I would say like my three years of studying graphic design wasn't a waste. It was very useful. And part of like a third of my study was a lot about art and painting and just exploring and being super creative. And all those those nights and that I spent all night long painting and just being creative and being in contact with what I really feel. When I was on the farm outside in the field, that's what I felt. Just that I was connected with the earth, with myself and with the work and it just like it was as a whole, it was where I belong. And when I was in my room painting, yes, as much as I loved it and I had great connection, it was just not 100% there because, yeah, there was something missing. But on the farm, I just, I don't know, it's just, it was the perfect connection between being one with the earth and also the science behind because that's what I like to is to do some some research and knowing what's behind like why do you just apply manure like there's also that science behind that is keeps it interesting and it's just yeah something that 
really connected me. And I wish people would find those those career that that keeps them alive. I mean, farming, you need to not be afraid of hard labor <laughs> because it is hard on the body. And yeah, you work, you work physically hard, but if you love it, it's just such a rewarding career because at first you start and it's just a seed. And then at the end of the summer, you grew all that food. And what is more important than having a roof over your head and eating? There's not a lot mm. more important. And I just thought if I do what's the most important for as a human being, then that's, I will know what I'm at the right place and growing food. Like I love cooking and just when you, I ate my first strawberry off the field or my first basil leaf that is really tasting like what it should taste. It's just, it's like orgasmic. It's so good. <laughs> and I will never buy a tomato of the grocer at the grocery store in the winter. It tastes like cardboard. And for me, it, it has to be a pleasure to eat and to live. And yeah, that's, that's why farmers farm because they just love it so much. And it's something that we, uh, I think we have to appreciate more as well. Uh, certainly there are so many of us that don't ever interact with farmers or on a farm and, and you don't necessarily know where your food came from. You go to the store, you buy it, you kind of, we kind of take it for granted in, in a lot of ways. Now you also, I think, um, had a history uh, of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, right? Um, in a lot of ways. And I, I know we share the, the love for travel or earlier in our, you know, when we were a bit younger, we did a lot of traveling. Uh, not together, obviously, we've done that separately, but part of uh, traveling is experiencing uh, new cultures, experiencing new uh, people, uh, and also learning about all the things that are going on in the world um, outside of our backyard. It makes you feel like there's a bigger, you know, thing at play, right? Like people um, are, are are living their lives in, in all these different areas and and, and culturally, they could be very different from us, yet, you know, uh, physically, they could be very similar to us. And at the same time, uh, you know, you're coming from uh, Quebec, you're traveling to different places where you are now in a lot of ways, the minority, uh, you don't speak, um, uh, you know, the same language as them. Um, and even in, in Canada, when you traveled out west, um, you, you, it's not that you're isolated, but it, it's more difficult. Uh, you know, did you enjoy that? Is that why you did it? Um, what were the things that were driving you at that time? Since I'm little, um, I never thought anything was impossible. So if I wanted to do something, I would just do it. Um, I would take my BMX and I would build the ramp and then I, <laughs> I fell off <laughs> really hard and I cried, but then I got back up and I tried again. Like it, there's just never, for me, even if I'm a woman, like whoever you are, you, there shouldn't be any limitation. If you have a dream, just do it. And, and that's where, that's why it brought me to so many countries. Um, when I spent six months in Africa, um, all what I wanted to do is to live with them. And then I ended up in a village, um, there was, a chef, uh, it was in Ghana. So there was a chef, he had six wives. And then I I just visited that village 
And I ask, can I just spend a few months with you to, to learn how you're living? And I never thought about, oh, maybe it's dangerous. I was pro I was young and I, <laughs> I'm not sure I would do it again today, but just that, that thought of living with them and experiencing new, new things just made me realize that we're all human and yeah, that anything is possible. So after, after traveling around the world, being uncomfortable, you decided to settle in British Columbia. And, uh, and, and when was that? And, and uh, how did that feel? Because, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you were traveling everywhere. I was raised in a family with my mom and my sister. My dad passed away when I was very young. And my sister married a French, um, she had a French husband. So she was already in France and there was me and my mom. So I wasn't leaving a huge family and my mom wanted to travel. And when I went west, I had my best friend with me. So that was easy to, to go west. Um, I mean, it's beautiful British Columbia. So who, who doesn't love British Columbia? It's beautiful. And then I met my, my children's husband and he's from Japan. So British Columbia was kind of between Quebec and Japan, if you don't count the ocean. <laughs> so that's where we settled to, to raise our family. And when I finished my education, he was a carpenter, so he could travel, he could live everywhere. Um, we didn't want to live in the lower mainland because it was, there was too much population. The Okanagan was not my first choice because also it's quite busy. Pemberton is, it's beautiful, but it's too expensive. And I was looking for a full-time job and Pemberton wasn't giving me that. So I, I found a career with PRT, a tree seedling company in Vernon. I was supposed to be there for a year for a training. And then six months after I started, they're like, okay, you're good to go. We have two places to offer you. So they offered me Prince George or Beaver Lodge. And I said, I'm not going further than Prince George because I had never been further than Vernon. That was like, I had never been to Prince George. Beaver Lodge, I don't know. I wasn't interested in, in Alberta. And the, the motivation that they told me is that there's tax allowance because it's far away. And I said, it's because it's too far. <laughs> <laughs> so I right away, I said no to Beaver Lodge. And then that's where, that's why I ended up in Prince George, uh, growing tree seedlings for the tree planters. So I did that for five years, but it was, it was great. I've learned, I've learned a ton, but I couldn't eat what I was growing. And that was bugging me. But I thought, oh, Prince George is not a town that has a lot of agrologists that knows how to grow um, food because I was part of the BC Agrologist Association. And I was the only one that was growing food. Everybody else was working in natural resources, which is very odd because coming from Quebec, if you're an agrologist, it's all, it's all you're working with food. Um, natural resources, they are in like their the association with the biologist so it's quite different and i thought oh they're they're my, if they're one day there's an, an opportunity i will be the one because i'm the only one that knows how to grow food 
And yeah, so I was quite happy with the choice of living in British Columbia. Um, my family would come and visit me once in a while. And being in Prince George was, although it's not like in Quebec, I was in, living in a smaller town, but you drive 15 minutes and there's another town in another half hour. And there's like it, towns are much closer together compared to Prince George, you drive an hour and a half and it's the next town. So that was a little bit different, but there's still a fair size of population and university. And and I like to live close to nature. So that's that was the perfect place. I could buy a house. That was the perfect place. Another reason why to be uh, at the right place at the right moment. Then we had a couple of children and I was a mom at home and I always love food and cooking and then I started fermenting everything that could that I could get my hands on so for three years I did a lot of fermentation and then when the winery uh, yeah after three years I was kind of ready to go back to work and I looked on maybe it was Indeed or uh, Kijiji maybe back back then and then I saw that opportunity and I was like, oh my God, I've been fermenting for three years. I love growing food. Like this is my dream job. And I, I wasn't sure if I should apply and I did. And here we are nine years later. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're a part owner of the winery. Yes, that's even uh, another, an extra bonus to this, uh, to this career. So uh, now, when we had, we actually had our first conversation, I think we had it in a Starbucks or something to that effect, maybe at Wendy's, um, talking about uh, the position, you were hired for the position. And uh, and, and I know uh, from the business standpoint, we weren't super prepared uh, before you came on. Um, did you ever feel like it was like, I don't really know if this is the right decision. I'm not really sure if these people know what they're doing. When... I mean, I applied, then we had the interview, like you mentioned, and then after the interview, you, you gave me the address and I drove here and at the time there was absolutely nothing. It was just a bare field and I sat beside the road and I could see it. You know, it's probably part of my creative art. If I see it, it's going to happen. And I sat there on the grass with those big trucks passing behind and you you had showed me the map of how you you thought the field was going to be and i could see it in that dirt patch and i just believed in it right away and yeah that's that's how really it started is when i sat there and i was like okay this is gonna happen and we're gonna it's gonna be successful and here we are <laughs> Oh, I know I'm cert certainly thankful that you did also see that. So as the director of operations, you have responsibility from the time that the plant goes into the ground to the time the bottle is ready to drink. That's that's something that's very different from where you started. Did you ever see yourself doing anything like this? I did not, know. And when I was studying um, at school, lots of my friends, they would go and research, they would go as a consultant, and me, I always love production. And there's not a lot of productions that is 12 months, 12 months of the year. And I would always be thinking, 
how, how am I going to support my family if I can only work six months of the year? So here is kind of the perfect world because in the summer you work outside and then in the winter you can go make the wine and then you, you get a full time, uh, a year round position. And this is just great. And now that the team is growing, yes, it's very busy in the summer, but I don't know, the sun gives us extra vitamin and we just have that, that extra energy in the summer. And then in the winter, it's a little bit more quiet and it's time to enjoy what we made. <laughs> yeah. And, and part of that is actually remembering to enjoy it because when you're a part of a business that's grown so much and changed so much over the years, often we kind of forget about that to some degree. We, we, we talk to each other about, okay, this is what's going on and there's always, you know, more to do. Um, but being part of, you know, a winery, you need to sit back and enjoy a glass of wine every once in a while. When you're, when you're thinking about like this business and how, um, you know, we've actually impacted a lot of people's lives in, in a positive way, both, you know, of course the people working for us, um, the people experiencing the property, the people who, um, you know, have, have never been able to, to enjoy a a glass of wine before and now do because you know they've fallen in love with our brand um you know is that something you take a lot of pride in and, and what is it that you drives you forward now i think the biggest pride i have in this project is that it's in prince george um when i was in vancouver the comments i would hear from what people think about prince george wasn't very positive and just being part of this amazing project and like how many times have we heard there's a winery in Prince George? Yes. And I'm part of it. And it's just farming. Usually you, you bring like, it's beautiful. Usually most farms, vegetables farms are, are aesthetically pleasing. So that's number one nice for customers to come over and just to walk over like around the site that it's beautiful. Um, the products that we make taste amazing and it's just, it helps bring Prince George, um, overall experience a touch a notch higher and being part of this. I'm very proud. Yeah. I was in, uh, um, Coquitlam BC recently, uh, tasting some of our products. And it always uh, comes up the same way that you just described, where you'll be talking about a winery in Prince George being BC's most northern winery. And, and, the, and the comments that often come up from people who are just not familiar with the area are that they didn't know that you could grow food up in the north. And um, I, I think one of the other things that I think I have a lot of pride in personally is that uh, we have also inspired a lot of people up in the north to do similar things. Maybe there's not another winery up here yet, but I would love to and uh, see one. And, and maybe somebody's listening and thinking about starting their own winery in Prince George, I would certainly encourage you to come talk to me and we'd share all of our information. But um, ultimately, uh, we are really changing the dynamic of, of how people see the North. And, and now that they know there's a winery here, then they understand that you can grow things up here. They understand that we are, you know, or urbanly, uh, urban and rural, and, and that we have so much to offer. And it's really, it's really magical. Um, 
you have won several awards, both, you know, of course, your wines have won a lot of awards. Um, you're, you're, you've been recognized uh, for your work on, on the farm here as well. Um, what would be something you uh, maybe take more uh, pride in, in bringing forward in the next few years? What are, what's some of your goals? Um, since I started to build a name for myself, um, establishing the winery, being involved with the master gardeners, I really enjoyed it because it's just planting one more seed. When I was doing fermentation, it's just multiplying of bacteria, I would say. And the more I can multiply my knowledge and provide a little bit of information to all the gardeners that will pass the information to their their friends and family. Um, yeah, the more I can be involved in education um, and bring awareness. And gardening has been such a important hobby for people during COVID because all what they had was their backyard. Um, it's just been amazing to be able to help other gardeners to grow their own little vegetable gardens in their backyard. And mm -hmm. in the future, one day when I semi-retire, <laughs> perhaps from the winery, I would just love to be involved in in more educational stuff. And you already do inspire so many people in, in Northern BC, but across the province. And, and uh, I, I also think one of the cool things about this platform, you know, talking on a podcast today, is the ability to talk to um, not only our, our future selves, uh, but our families and such. And to, you know, years from now, your, your daughters are going to listen to this podcast or potentially their children. And, and what, what's the message you want to leave them? If my grandchildren, if one day I have some, listen to this podcast and they're like, oh, that's where it's from. That's why my mom is telling me, look at the fire weeds or when the golden rods are blooming. It's, I want them to know that it's from grandma that has tried to teach these little notions of being connected to nature, to my daughters. And if it gets passed on, it's because I've done a good job. And yeah, that's what I'm hoping. And hopefully it's more than just my children and my grandchildren's. Hopefully it's some kids in 4-H that I taught in, in the garden uh, club that will look at some signs of nature that will be like, oh, autumn is coming. Not because the calendar tells you it's August, but because let's say the geese are coming back. You know, just being connected to nature will tell you a lot. I think that's a great message and also something that uh, all the city dwellers need to think about as well. And and people like myself who, who you know, didn't grow up in that environment. The fact that you are uh, so self-taught, uh, I think, is also really inspirational. That you've been able to uh, go not backwards, but you've been able to reconnect with nature in, in a time when uh, most people really struggle um, because there's so much going on in the world. There's so much information and we lose touch of what's with what's really important, right? Uh, we talk about like, what is really important? It's, it's family, you know, it's, it's, it's the environment that surrounds us. And it's about creating a better world for our future and our children. So 
I'm hoping that your grandchildren are listening to this uh, many years from now and that uh, you'll be able to listen with them. And this has been an exceptional conversation. Thank you so much, Noemi, uh, for coming in today. And uh, for all of you listening on uh, USIP, ICIP, you can learn more about Noemi uh, in our social media platforms and Northern Lights Estate Winery. We'll have those tagged down below. Um, and uh, if you have questions for Noemi, please send them in on our social channels as well. You can DM us. Um, she often will get in, especially in the springtime, sometimes in the fall as well, uh, into the social media. And we want to teach more people about how they can do things in their own lives as well. Thank you so much. And this has been another episode of You Sip by Sip. We'll it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to You Sip, I Sip. Please hit the five-star rating and leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about Northern Lights Winery, text us at 604-670-4046 or visit us on social media at Northern Lights Winery.